Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Another week of the Mike Farrell Sports Show is coming at you right now. My name is Adam, and Mike Farrell is with me again. Mike, an interesting weekend of college football that no one really cares about because these days, my friend, it appears it's all about the college football playoff rankings. That seems to be all anybody cares about right now. Except for UCF fans, and we're going to talk about that in a second. That was a heck of a game, and you know, now they're the group of five team in, in charge for that New York Six Bowl. Um, I'm interested in some of these other, you know, situations. I, I, you know, the Washington-Oregon game obviously had playoff implications, and that was a great game. Uh, North Carolina uh, is going to play Clemson. Uh, to me, that's a great game. Uh, you know, uh, neither team has a chance to make the playoff, but I'm excited about that game. Um, you know, but talking about the playoff, you know, the the likely order that we're going to see, uh, at least this is my suspicion, um, you know, we're going to see Georgia be number one. Well, okay, let's go one at a time. So no no qualm with Georgia remaining number one, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. Um, you know, That's we, not what I asked. I, do you have a qualm with it? Would you no, like to see no, somebody else at one? No, okay. no. I mean, they handle business against Mississippi State. They're the best team in the country. Where, where I have an issue. Is the Big Ten, um, and so one of the questions I get a lot is, you know, will the one-loss loser of the Big Ten championship game get into the playoff? And there's absolutely no way on earth they should. So Michigan's got Illinois this weekend. That's a ranked team. That would be their second best win all season long. Penn State being their first. Ohio State, um, you know, is going to cupcake their way into this. And we're going to have likely undefeated teams as we head to the Ohio State Michigan. They got Maryland. Maryland didn't look good against Penn State. Uh, but neither of them have resumes for a one-loss team to get in. So I don't think that's going to happen. So, you know, I don't mind them being here as long as the loser drops uh, out of the top four. If that doesn't happen, then I'm going to be upset. TCU beat Texas. Uh, you know, they, they proved – once again, all the doubters, they didn't look great. Texas didn't look great. It was kind of an ugly game, a defensive game. Um, but they've proven everybody that they're legit. But if they lose a game, I think they'll be out as well. I think the Pac-12 got eliminated with Oregon and Washington because USC doesn't – they won't have the victories now to push up. They're, you know, they're, they're going to be on the outside looking in. So, And the ACC is done with Clemson. So what do we do with the SEC? That's the big question here. Um are they ever going to put three in there? Probably not. But let's say Ohio State beats Michigan. All right. Okay. They're undefeated. They belong in. 
Let's say LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. A two-loss team, but SEC champs, I doubt they're going to be left out. Although we did see the Big Ten champs, Penn State, get left out, um, you know, in 2016. But this is the SEC. I mean, how do you leave LSU out if they run the table and beat Georgia? Georgia can't be out if they lose that game as a, as a one-loss team. And Tennessee just continues to impress. They had one loss to Georgia. Um, and they're not going to play in any title game, so they're likely going to be a one-loss team. Uh, TCU loses. I think we have three that deserve to be in the playoff from the SEC, and I don't think it'll ever happen, uh, but I'm afraid we might see a watered-down playoff this year if certain things shake out just because we're trying to avoid getting the SEC three teams. All right, so let's hold on. Let me break this down for a second. So Georgia will remain one. You have, obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, two and three. That's going to take care of itself, right? That'll work itself out on the field. It's mm-hmm. a de facto, you know, you know play-in yeah. game, I guess, for the for the playoff, right? Um, doesn't get in, but, yeah, it's a playoff game. And then you have TCU, which doesn't have the, the hardest path ahead, but they've got a couple of tricky games. They haven't looked fantastic. So your scenario is TCU out. Obviously, one of Ohio State, Michigan out. That opens up three spots. You think with an LSU win, you see some configuration of Ohio State, Michigan, one one or the other, Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee in the playoff? Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I'll tell you why. You know, USC, if they run the table, they really don't have any significant victories. That You know, they have a loss to Utah. Um, the, there's no other... I mean, UCLA lost to Arizona. That really hurts USC. Uh, Oregon lost uh, to Washington. That hurts USC because and now, you know, if they run the table, get in the playoff, they're going to play a North team with two losses instead of a team with one loss, and that's going to hurt. I don't think they're going to have the, the wins to get in. So you can eliminate the Pac-12. Clemson does not have the wins to get in. Um, they have the one loss. And North Carolina, as they creep up, you know, they're going to be close to potentially close to the top 10 by the time this is all over. And and if Clemson beats them in the ACC championship, it, it's going to be a good win, but it's not going to be enough to, to push them up there. You know, so who else are you going to put in? I, this is assuming TCU loses a game. Now, I've assumed TCU is going to lose a game probably for the last five weeks. Um, you know, this is a football team that's very hard to beat, very hard to kill. I thought they would lose to Oklahoma State. They came back and won that game. Um, I thought they would lose Kansas State. They came back won that game. Uh, I didn't think they would lose to Texas. Uh, that line was wonky. I don't know why Texas was a seven-point favorite. But uh, but they you know they held serve, so to speak, on the road in a tough atmosphere. They got Baylor, who's not very good this year, or underachieving. Iowa State. And then whoever ends up, you know, playing into the Big 12 championship game, um, they've already beaten that team. So... But I'm assuming there's a trip up here. And if there is a trip up, how do you leave Tennessee out? Let's say Tennessee runs the table. They go 11-1 and one with one loss to number one Georgia. They should not be left out for that, period. Um, LSU, okay, they got Florida State and Tennessee. So you can't put – you really can't put LSU, even as the SEC champion, ahead of Tennessee because Tennessee throttled them uh, on the road. So there's a real – interesting scenario here when you look at resumes and actual on the field results i think if these things occur then you you have to put these three teams in the sec you have to 
Now, again, LSU running the table and beating Georgia, probably unlikely, but it's a scenario. Now, all things being equal, I think Georgia's going to win the SEC. I think Tennessee's going to get in as the fourth team. I think TCU's going to lose, and I think the loser of Michigan and Ohio State will be bumped out to five. So I think that's what you're going to look at. You're going to have your playoff as Georgia, Ohio State, um, Tennessee. Tennessee, but I had Tennessee fourth, so third. I don't know. It's you TCU? I had them losing, though. So even if LSU doesn't run the table here, then then maybe you're talking a one-loss Big Ten team in there. <clears throat> I don't know. I, 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 I'm just I, – I don't – I'm not impressed by the Pac-12 getting anybody in. I'm not impre- impressed by the, the Big Ten getting more than one in. Um, I'm impressed with TCU getting in if they run the table. If they go 13-0, they belong in there and they deserve to be in there. We saw them and Baylor get screwed years ago because they didn't have the brand. Uh, it doesn't matter now. They win and they're in. Uh, but then in the scenario I'm talking about, if Georgia beats LSU, LSU has no chance. I got Tennessee sliding in at four. Ohio State would stay at two. So who's number three if TCU loses? That's going to be interesting. That's where the Pac-12 could slide in or the Big Ten. Well, that's where, yeah, I think that's where Pac, it either becomes Pac-12 USC or it becomes whoever does not win that Michigan State, Ohio, or Michigan, uh, Ohio State game. And I would think that would be a bad scenario, honestly. I, I Nothing against the Pac-12. I would love to see USC get in the playoff the first year uh, and play Georgia in a 4-1 game. That would be fun. But I don't think they deserve it. Um, I, I don't think, again, that the loser of Ohio State-Michigan has any reason to claim being a playoff team just because you went through a cake schedule. Um, I guess maybe I'm rooting for a three out of four SEC, and I'm not a big SEC homer, but I think that would be the most fun. You know, you put <laughs> – so let's say Georgia loses. You got Ohio State as number one team in the country. Um, let's say you put LSU at number two with two losses. Can you even do that? I don't even know. Yeah. Or maybe Tennessee's number two because they beat LSU. So then you've got Ohio State, Tennessee, um, LSU, and then LSU, Georgia. and then Georgia, and then you've got Georgia playing Ohio State, which would be a lot of fun. But an LSU Tennessee rematch would that be fun? I don't know. I don't know. It's a mess. I love it. It's very messy. Uh, this is why we need a, an expanded playoff. Uh, it'll get messy from eight to nine, or from twelve to thirteen, mm-hmm. but. It'll be a lot more fun because then we don't have to worry about three SEC teams. We know they're going to get in, and we can place them strategically. And Alabama would probably slide in as well in a 12-team, uh, and you have better matchups. So I, I read an article the other day that said – I forget what game it was. Uh, maybe it was Tennessee, Georgia, or it might have been – LSU, Alabama, one of those two games wouldn't matter in a 12-team playoff. It wouldn't have the same feel. It wouldn't be the same excitement. That's absolute garbage. It's not going to hurt the regular season to have a 12-team playoff because those games are still exciting. I mean, the atmosphere at Tennessee beating Alabama, the atmosphere at Georgia beating Tennessee, and the atmosphere at LSU beating Alabama, that's going to exist. It's not going to go away, and those games are equally important. Um, so all the apologists that say don't expand the playoff because you're going to kill the regular season, they're full of crap. I would love to see it expanded this year. I would love to see a two-loss Oregon team as a 12 seed. I would love to see UCF <clears throat> as a 12 seed or an 11 seed and see if they could trip somebody up. I, I think that would be, uh, you know, 
a lot more fun than this eh, two from the Big Ten or maybe one from the Pac-12. Yeah. Fun fact about uh, TCU really quickly. Since 2012, since the Big 12 went to essentially the 10-team uh, the format, two teams have started off 10-0, and 0, Mike. The 2012 Kansas State team and the 2015 Oklahoma State team. Two teams start off 10-0. and 0. They both suffered a loss in the very next game against Baylor. Ooh. So you have TCU 10-0 and 0 playing Baylor this weekend. Uh, it's not a good do with that what you will do with that what you will. It's not a good matchup for Baylor, but I, yeah, listen, you can lose on any given Saturday. You can lose, um, and and the Big Twelve is. I mean, it's it. You know, somebody also said the other day that the Pac twelve was the deepest conference. That's garbage. I honestly think you can make an argument this year, as far as parity is concerned, for the Big Twelve. And, and the reason I say that is because there are no horrendous bottom feeders here everybody's kind of okay and if they're not kind of okay they're really good um so you know the big 12 is a tough gauntlet tcu's gotten there they've survived so far baylor and iowa state are not you know really dangerous teams at this point but anything could happen they could certainly lose but they're in they're in the big 12 title game the problem with the big 12 is now they have to go undefeated um let's say and loses somehow to Illinois, or let's say Ohio State somehow gets tripped up by Maryland, they they can lose and come back and have a potential possibility. The TCU has to be perfect. They cannot lose a football game. Same with Clemson. Uh, we saw that, and and we're learning the AC, the Pac-12. You have to be perfect too. What about Tennessee? If, if somehow they, they stub their toe against South Carolina or Vanderbilt, which seems highly unlikely, but that game's out South Carolina, two points, strange things happen. Tennessee cannot afford another loss, right? No, they're done. I mean, if they lose, especially those two teams, I mean, South Carolina just got drubbed. Uh, yeah. Vanderbilt's horrible. I know they beat Kentucky on the road. I don't care. They're horrible. I mean, if they lose one of those games, they don't deserve to sniff them. <laughs> um, this is also one of those scenarios, you know, very similar to Ohio State in 2016 where not being in a title game could be advantageous help you yeah yeah i think the, the the big thing we have to figure out for the for the viewers and the listeners mike is uh and i need you to work this out for me how do we get alabama back in the top four because you know there's going to be somebody who wants alabama up in that top four how, do, how does alabama work their way back in the playoff it's what good. all kinds of chaos has to happen well okay so we should probably put austin p into the top 25 this year because that's the ridiculous game i looked at some of the games this weekend for the sec uh, Texas A&M is playing UMass. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Alabama's playing Austin Pugh. There was another one where I almost threw up my mouth. Why are these games existing? And why are they in game, you know, 11 of their football season? And then, of course, you know, a losing Auburn team, it's not going to happen. Um, unfortunately for Alabama, they're done. I mean, they're, they're just done. And and it's, it's kind of, again, this is why I'd like to see a 12 team because I'd like to see Alabama in the playoff because they've lost two games to top 10 teams. Now, yes, those teams are firmly in the top 10, a lot due to victories over Alabama, but they've lost by four points, two games. You know, the Alabama and the SEC um, margin for error is very, very thin. Uh, But I think an Alabama team, you know, in a 12 team playoff would scare the hell out of somebody. Oh, for sure. Yeah, a thousand percent. I, I think that's why I'm curious. How, how do we get them back in the top four? I feel like every year they, they find a way. The committee's going to figure it out. Expand it right now. Just say, you know what? This season's so great, so wacky, so wonky. Let's expand it right now. Go 12. 
look, I would, I put nothing past the committee on, on that, on that front. Who's, uh, so who's impressed you the most though? I know you were, uh, between Ohio state and Michigan. I know you basically have been saying, Hey, what's the signature win from either of these two teams? Obviously they both played this weekend, both look pretty, pretty good. Um, which of those two has impressed you the most so far, Michigan or Ohio state? I think Ohio state, um, simply because of what they've had to overcome, you know, Michigan's pretty, been pretty healthy. Um, you know, and they have the, the power running game and the play action off that. Um, they haven't played anybody. I mean, like I said, their signature win is Penn State, just like Ohio State. Their second best win is, is Maryland, and they got drubbed by Penn State, so they're not real. Ohio State at least has a victory over Notre Dame, which is starting to look better, even though Notre Dame's still not a great football team, but they hammered Clemson. Uh, they've lost, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't been on the field most of the season. Trevion Henderson's been hurt. Um now they've got additional running back depth concerns. Um, Ohio State's impressed me more, uh, and they're a more balanced team. They can beat you throwing the ball, or they can pound it if they're healthy at running back. Um, so I, I would I would favor them slightly. Um, I think they're going to win. I mean, it's at home. I think they're really angry about last year's loss. Uh, I think Michigan can be had if you can stop that running game, which is not easy to do. I mean, Blake Forum's awesome. He should be in the Heisman discussion for sure. But if you can bottle up that that running offense, they're similar to you remember those LSU teams, you know, the Leonard Fournette type of teams where if you can stop the run, they really don't have a solution. JJ's better than the LSU quarterbacks were through that through those you know years. But I don't think he's the type of guy right now that can win a football game for you in a shootout against Ohio State. All right, so let's let's preview again. We're we're recording on Monday, so let's preview Tuesday here. So we got Georgia one, yes, correct. We we, we agree there. Ohio yep. State two. Yep. Michigan three. Yep. TCU four. Yep. Tennessee five. Yep. Oregon was six. We know they're going to drop out, so Oregon loses the sixth spot. Who jumps up to six? You had number seven LSU, number eight uh, USC, number nine Alabama, number ten Clemson. Who takes that sixth spot? I think LSU, I mean, just based on victories, you know, they didn't look that sharp against Arkansas on the road, but USC beat Colorado, a team that you and I could beat with nine other dudes. Uh, And then there's really, you know, a drop off after that. I mean, Clemson is just done. Um, I I would say it's got to be LSU. Um, So that's my sixth team, then USC uh, number seven. Then it doesn't matter. It'll probably be Alabama. You know, which you know, ahead of a one-loss Clemson team, but at that point, it really doesn't matter. Right, so that's Mike's official uh, top six prediction for Tuesday night. We'll see how close you are to being correct. But it sounds like Mike is an agent of chaos. He wants a little chaos in his life here. I love chaos. I mean, I want yeah. some. It, it's it, chaos is great. Um, the only thing that hasn't happened this season, you know, we've got four undefeated teams at the top it, 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 this late in the season. That's not chaotic. You know, 2007 was the the best year for me where, you know, every week there was another number one team. Um, you know, Georgia's been steady. Ohio State and Michigan have gone through a crap schedule and, and, and you know, not get nicked up. TC is the big surprise here, um, but I would like to see a little bit more chaos. But I think we were, we're very likely to see an undefeated Georgia team in the SEC title game, you know, an undefeated Ohio State team in the Big Ten title game. An undefeated TCU if they don't get bumped up a Baylor or Iowa State in the in the Big Twelve title game, um, and that's three, you know, 
three out of four of your teams in, in the title, in their uh, conference title games undefeated, that's really not chaotic. We'll see what it comes out to be Tuesday night. Like any other teams that are catching your eye in the uh, in the playoff? Anybody you're keeping your eye on as, as things are kind of coming along well, here? There's games that I'm intrigued by. You know, some of the New Year's Six matchups that, that could occur. Um, I, I was intrigued by the UCF-Tulane game. Tulane has been a team that's covered the spread all season long, and, and they were what yep. get beat, or they, they were laying a point, I think. Um, you know, I really thought they were going to, win that football game usc and the job gus has done with a running back at quarterback uh, <laughs> has been really impressive i mean you know again we had the east carolina loss where the ga fed all the play whatever you know all that drama i don't know if that happened or not well who cares who knows it did and then you know louisville was not good they're better now but for this team to sort of rebound and be, you know, in this position where, I don't know. I mean, you know UCF more than I do. The, the remainder of the schedule, Navy, they should win. South Florida is yep. horrible. Yep. And then what's it going to be? Is it Cincinnati? Well, you're looking at a rematch. So Cincinnati and Tulane play. Um, so they each have one conference loss. So whoever, essentially whoever wins that game becomes the the second American Conference Championship. There, there, there's no divisions this year. So it's basically top two teams. So Tulane, since he will decide the other team. And they, you know, they beat both of those teams in nail-biting fashion. They're both, you know, they were both very good football games. So, you know, it's, it's not guaranteed that UCF, but the path is there for them. Um, you know, they obviously have wins over both of those teams. So if I'm a UCF fan, I'm feeling kind of good. Now I'm really wanting a quarterback in the portal. I really am tired of watching this type of offense. It's frustrating to me if I'm a UCF fan. Um, but this is what Gus loves, man. He loves mucky, crappy, awful passing offenses where his quarterback is as big a threat as his running back. He loves stables at three deep at running back and we're going to pound the ball at you. Um, and it's so frustrating because in high school, he wasn't this way. You know, he had Mitch Pustain a hundred years ago uh, and Arkansas state. He wasn't this way either. It's when he got to Auburn that he sort of became this curmudgeon of boring, awful running attack with a, with a quarterback who can't throw the ball. Yeah, I see it every week. Um, you know, John Rice Plumley uh, seems like a really good kid. Seems like the kind of kid you'd want dating your daughter, but not the kind of kid you want throwing a hitch route on third and six. I mean, that's just the unfortunate reality of that. They better get a quarterback, you know, in the portal for next season. And, and already talking about next season, I think there's certain teams on this, you know, I'm looking at the top 25, are in really good shape for next year. And I'm not going to talk about the power teams, you know, the Ohio State, the Georgia, the world, but I'm looking at teams that are coming on late in this season. North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah is unbelievable now they got to fix that defense that defense is bad um it's gotten better but it's bad um i think they're really a fascinating team to watch old miss even though they don't have a quarterback um and they need offensive linemen who could pass block you know judkins uh evans the, the rushing attack they have is very very deep they should all be back uh, they're going to be a bit of a problem next season, even though they lost to Alabama. I know, even though they, they they just have two two losses that Ole Miss fans are really upset with. Um, you know, and I look at I look at Utah. Okay, so Utah had that one loss early in no, the season. You you and Utah again. You well, love Utah. I I do I do. I, I like their style of play. Um, you know, 
Cam Rising is not going to be a first-round pick. This is breaking news. Um, and they play a physical brand of football. Uh, I think they've got young talent on both sides of the ball. Um, I can't explain making Anthony Richardson look that good, but he's looked better in recent games too. So maybe, maybe he just got in his own head against Kentucky. I don't know what happened, but and then just lost confidence. And I can't really explain the loss to UCLA because they just lost to Arizona. But they're they're going to be a dangerous team next season. Now I'm not picking them in the top four. I'm not picking them to go to the playoff. They they had their chance. I gave them their chance. Um, but it's interesting to see some of these teams that I think are peaking late in the season um, that could be really good next year that we're not even talking about. And, and those are a few of them. Now let's switch gears here. You mentioned uh, the word Auburn a few times, and uh, they had a nice win the, this weekend, Mike. Again, it wasn't a barn-burning game, of course, but uh, Cadillac Williams, former running back, now turned interim head coach, with a victory. I'll say this, Mike, the videos on social media, what you saw after the game, those kids are playing hard for, for Cadillac Williams. Those kids are showing up. They're playing hard. Maybe they don't have all the talent in the world right now. Maybe they're kind of fractured. They're kind of beaten down. Um, you know, They had a rough year. But Cadillac's got those boys playing hard. There seems to be a ton of support for Cadillac to be, uh, you know, to, to be there right now, but is there support for him to be there long-term? Do you give him any chance, any chance whatsoever at retaining that job? No, I don't. Um, oh, I, I don't. tried so hard to set that up too. Yeah. So <laughs> there is a rumor out there tonight. And of course, all these rumors, you know, old Miss head coach, Link Kiffin, Link Kiffin sure. Expected to accept a under the table offer tomorrow. What does that even mean? They're going to pay him off. No W four. He's going to tax free. Like what's an under the table offer? Uh, I think these rumors are all crap. I don't think anything's going to be close to. When's the last time you saw a big coach move from one program to the other publicly before the end of the football season? You start. You covered Scott Frost. We all knew he was leaving. That's actually fair. Yes. Yes. He, he wore a red shirt to the last game at UCF, right? I think that was, that was pretty well documented. Yes. So, I mean, you know, these rumors. Um, like Norvell, I think, took the Florida State job like at halftime of the Memphis game that year. But not, not so that, that's a promotion, right? In, in some respects, right? And you wait. Yeah. yeah. Out, of, out of respect for the university that's paying you millions of dollars, out of respect for your players that you've had fight through injuries for you all season long. And Lane Kiffin's not a, a moron. He's not going to sign an under-the-table deal. Now, he's the top target. And, and there are pros and cons. We've already talked about this. You know, the recruiting advantages and the money at Auburn. Uh, Cadillac has done a good job. I mean, in that Mississippi State game, I thought they were going to get blown out. The team fought. They showed a lot. They yeah. beat a crappy Texas A&M team. And anybody can look energetic against Texas A&M because that's a team that's given up on their coach. And Jimbo could say all he wants about how – these guys are focused in practice and they're working hard and they're in the weight room. No, no. The energy level at Texas A&M is an abysmal joke. Nobody wants to play for that guy. Uh, they're all waiting for the portal window. Not everybody, but a lot of them. And yeah, so you beat that team by what? Three points? How is this a resume builder? You lost a close game to Mississippi State. You could have got blown out in, and you beat Texas A&M. Now I get it. He's a legendary player at Auburn. And there's this, this feeling, you know, when he has, you know, the Ronnie Browns of the world and, and, and the, the players that he played with when things were really good and they were undefeated, you know, with, with Tommy Tuberville and all that good stuff. 
everybody wants that feeling back. And Cadillac kind of brings him that feeling, but he's not qualified to be the head coach. And they're going to go after guys who are. Lane Kiffin, they're going to go after Hugh Freeze. Um, those are their top two choices. And if they get one of them, Cadillac's got no chance. Now, if they dip down to third, they're still not going to give him the job. Because the boosters just are not going to play this game. Well, hold on, they- Mike. Hold on. If it worked for Jeff Saturday, why can't it work yeah. for Cadillac Williams? Yeah, and he's one and zero. I mean, good for him. Um, and he, you know, listen. I could have gone in there and said, you know what, Sam Ellinger is probably not our best option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we should start this Matt Ryan Hall of Fame guy. Um, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe Las Vegas is the worst team in the world. So, oh, by the way, look, I got Jonathan Taylor back. Just in the nick of time. I mean, I probably could have won that football game, but I won't get into the NFL and all that stuff. But no, I mean, the 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 old money at Auburn wants a big splash. They want to pull out the wallets and they want to do what Texas A&M did. And they want to give somebody a 10-year, $80 million guaranteed contract. And they want that to be Lane Kiffin. And if it's not Lane Kiffin, we're going to get, you know, if not Hugh Freeze, we're going to go get ourselves – you know, some big name Deion Sanders or Matt Rule or somebody. doesn't matter whether they're qualified or they're a fit at all. Um, they're not going to settle on Cadillac unless he beats Alabama. Then that changes. Mm-hmm. If he beats Alabama on the road in the Iron Bowl, then talk to me then. But until he does that, no, he has no chance. Is Lane Kiffin happy to miss? I, Lane Kiffin is a—he's a caged tiger. He always wants the next thing. Auburn Tiger? <laughs> Maybe. He—he's a guy that I—I I don't think he's ever f- settled or satisfied. You know, you don't leave Tennessee in the middle of the night to go to USC. Um, you don't. Um, you don't. You don't flirt with other jobs while you're at Ole Miss. I mean, he was he was involved with the the LSU job last year, the Florida job he just mentioned. Uh, his agent's Jimmy Sexton, who is the guy who will, you know, put his name out there and and you know find a bunch of attractive offers. I I don't think he's unhappy. I'm happy, but I think he's a nomad. I think he's a guy who has to move. the The question is, is Auburn the move? Now, I was talking to a, a, a source the other day, you know, who's involved in this coaching search. And this is a really, really attractive job to coaches for a lot of reasons. There's endless money. The last two coaches prior to Harrison want, played for national championship or won a national championship. The recruiting is just golden. And you wouldn't think that was saving in-state, but they border Georgia. They recruit better in Georgia than they do in Alabama, and they can recruit Florida. Um, this is a very, very attractive job from a monetary standpoint and the support of um, the big money people. It's an unattractive job because they're always in your face telling you what to do. I just don't know if this is the job that he wants to jump for. Now, I thought at the beginning of the season, there might be a little bit more uh, people upset at Brian Kelly at LSU because that didn't look like it was going to be a fit. And I didn't think it was going to be a fit. That's turned out to be a fit. So he's there for wants to be at least for the next couple of years. Sark isn't going anywhere. That's a big job. And, and Texas A&M is a big job too, but you know, they got to come up with $86 million to get rid of Jimbo. So there's other jobs out there that may be available in a year or two, um, but not right now. So I don't know. It's a, t- it's, it's, I don't think it's a tough decision. I mean, if I'm choosing between a massive guaranteed money raise at Old Miss 
or 80 million guaranteed at, at Auburn, I'm pretty happy because that's a choice where you can't lose. So uh, he's a happy man. Cadillac Williams is not though. I can't believe he doesn't get that job. No, I'm he sorry. Just took the job. Joseph isn't getting the, the Nebraska job. Uh, to for 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 a new athletic director to come in and hire from coach, you might as well just resign. You might as well come off as the laziest human being ever. I, I've seen jobs. I've seen jobs where coaches have been successful. Year after year, eight, nine, ten wins, bowl games, and these are for mid-level Power Five programs. But a new athletic director comes in there, and what do I hear? I hear from everybody. He wants his own guy because he wants to put his stamp on his own legacy. So he'll even drive out a successful coach to get his own guy. He's not going to come in and say, "Well, this guy's pretty good. Let's hire." It's not happening. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to recruiting. Like I would see a spot where you, uh, you made your bones, uh, throughout your career on this show. I really do. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, a couple of interesting flips of late, uh, probably one of the biggest one, if not the biggest one, Jaden Rashad, a longtime quarterback from the, uh, the Bay area in California from Pittsburgh had committed to Miami. Uh, and that was supposed to be sort of the, one of the, the crown jewels of this new Mario Cristobal era. Right, that was going to be their quarterback of the future. There was a ton of NIL rumors. I know you debunked a lot of those, but a ton of NIL rumors at the time. At the time, he spurned University of Florida to take the Miami offer, and there were again people saying NIL was involved and Florida offered more money and blah 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 blah. Well, lo and behold, Mike, this week the old Twitter fingers come out. Jaden Rashada has now flipped his commitment, and he's now firmly committed back to the Florida Gators. I don't know if he was ever actually committed there, but he's now firmly committed to the Florida Gators. Um, what does this say about Miami? Is this is this a direct reflection of the season they're having? Is this a direct reflection of the struggles that Mario's had, or does was was Jaden's dream really to wear the blue and orange? No, I mean this was definitely so. Based on my information, the backstory on this one, the NIL opportunity at Miami was too much for his family to pass up on. Now you know there's been talks of seven million, six million, whatever. None of that's true. Um, and there's also a lot of uninformed people out there that thinks he signed a deal with Miami. Uh, he did, but only for his high school career. There's two different NIL deals. There's the one where you're in high school if your state allows it, which California does. And then there's the college one. You have to suit up for the college team if they're going to pay you for that. And you don't sign that deal until after either the early signing period or the late signing period when you actually sign on the dotted line that you're coming to that school. And even then, there's a lot of caveats and clauses because you could jump in the transfer portal any time. So money was, though, the driving force for him to go to Miami. The bad play, the poor play um, at Miami was the driving force for him to head to Florida. Um, it's just a concern. Is Josh Gaddis the right fit for offensive coordinator? Tyler Van Dyke, obviously, before he got hurt, had a bad season. His draft stock, his stock has, has plummeted. Um, they haven't really shown a backup quarterback that's been developed and been successful. You know, they beat Georgia Tech this weekend, so they're 5-5. Five and five, But it's been a really disappointing year. Um, and I think he felt that the opportunity – there's NIL opportunities at Florida as well, just not as lucrative. Um, I think it was is the opportunity to sort of – get out of that situation where he didn't kind of choose. So your question was, he was never committed to Florida, but your question was, did he want to play for Florida? He did initially, but he chose Miami because of NIL. 
And now, because, you know, Miami struggled so much, he's playing for the team he wants to play for. This is a West Coast kid who wants to get as far away from the West Coast as possible, far away from some yes. personal situations. He wants to get far. Miami was as far as you could possibly get from Pittsburgh, California, pretty much. Um, Gainesville is pretty far, too. It's far enough. So this was a situation where the offense was stagnant and he didn't really see the fit there. He's, he's sacrificing some NIL opportunities uh, to go to the team that he felt himself uh, was a better fit for him. And, and from what I hear, it was a very, very difficult decision for him. Um, he's really torn up about it, uh, but he's made his final decision and he's going to Florida. Well, so if you are a Miami Hurricane fan, are you concerned at all? I mean, you just landed Cromani McLean. Uh, a few weeks ago, also picked Miami uh, over the Gators. Uh, you have some other, obviously, top-rated recruits. If you're a Miami fan, are you getting concerned now? Do you think th- – is there a trend that's going to emerge based on the season they're having? Um, I think you're concerned if it becomes a trend, as you said. You know, a quarterback in a class is a guy who leads and recruits. They've got Emory Williams in this class, who's a big, you know, quarterback project. But he has similar statistics to Rashad. He's just not – he doesn't throw as well in a run. He doesn't run as well. There's just he's a step behind him in every sort of aspect. Now he could be end up end up being a better quarterback. You just never know. But I think there was concern that the class might fall apart or might start to lose a lot of its momentum because of this. Uh, that's why this weekend's game, the win against Georgia Tech, was so important because everybody started piling on this week. They lose Rashada, which was a kind of a stunner to everybody. Came out yeah. of the and it happened overnight. So a lot of people were stunned by it. So then you got to get on the phone. You know, if you're Mario Cristobal, you got to get on the phone with everybody and say, listen, this is, you hold the course, blah, blah, blah. But you also got to sell something. So if they went and, and laid an egg and lost to Georgia Tech by two touchdowns, that would have been a problem. I think that helps right the ship. They're, they're still going to have, a, at best, a six and six season. Uh, at worst, five and seven. It's still a disaster. It still doesn't look good. He's going to have to make some really uh, – important decisions in year one as far as his staff is concerned but everybody i've talked to the class is going to stay together and they're closing on a lot of really really highly highly rated kids um, and they're in the mix for those too so if i'm a miami fan i'm like this sucks and nobody in that building at miami was happy about this but i think they're going to keep it together well, you said six and six, Mike. They had Clemson and Pitt left. I mean, those are those are two tough games. I mean, they, they could easily be five and seven, not even bowl eligible. Well, it's a good segue into Pitt because they're really not having a great season, um, and and they're kind of falling apart a little bit. And they just lost their quarterback in this class. Now, again, I I agree with you. They're a better football team than Miami for sure, and we know Clemson. They're going to lose. I mean, there's there's no doubt. Clemson's not the juggernaut that we've used to seeing with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, but. Even their B team can be Miami this season. Um, so, you know, even if it's five and seven, which isn't good at all, because remember, this was a team that finished winning five of their last seven games last year. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of momentum with Van Dyke being a potential first rounder, all this stuff. And so the excuses that are being made is that this is such a rebuild, blah, blah, blah. They're falling on deaf ears to the fans because, you know, Mike Elko at Duke has a better record and he blew them out. Um Miami was on the upswing last year with a lot of momentum. So a lot of people are critical of the hires you made, especially with Gaddis on offense. So like I said, he's going to have to make this, some decisions. Um, Pitt just beat Virginia 
you know, they beat Syracuse. They're on a little bit of an upswing after the Louisville and North Carolina losses, but it's really been an up and down season for them. They lost to Georgia Tech, which is kind of hard to explain. They'll beat Miami, though. You're right. I mean, five and seven is likely. Um, and that 45 to three loss to Florida State was a killer. I mean, that's the one that's being used against them the most. So right now it's about survive the season, survive the recruiting class, finish strong. You might be able to get up into the top five in recruiting. If not, at worst, you're probably going to be seven or eight. And then add the talent and build on that and, and maybe in a couple of years be a threat. Well, give us a little a precursor then, Mike. What are, the, are there other teams out there that you're hearing that their struggles this season could have some recruiting impact? Uh, A&M. I mean, Jimbo, every week he goes to the podium and says all things are great. But, you know, that meme where the whatever the dude's in the bar with it's on fire and everything's fine, that's Jimbo. That is exactly Jimbo. Everything's on fire. Everything's burning down. They lost Anthony Hill, uh, their five-star linebacker. You know, they've only got 11 commits in this class after, you know, the number one class in the country last year. Uh, Brevian Rogers, uh, Hicks, some other big-time commitments. Hicks was at Oregon, uh, the defensive tackle. Rogers was at Texas. Um, this is a perfect storm for their class to fall apart. Um, not good at all. Uh, Pitt, you know, it, it was a disappointing. I mean, Desmond Howard had him in the playoff, remember? <laughs> so yes, you know this, but this is a disappointing season because that 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 division's not good. I mean, it's just not good. North Carolina looked like they were a bad football team when they gave up sixty-one points or whatever to App State, and they've righted the ship. And Drake Mays really saved them. But Pitt losing Kenny Minchie, who decommitted today, the quarterback, and he's going to end up in Notre Dame. That's a that's a real killer to this class itself. Um, Oklahoma is another one that's kind of hanging on to their class. They had a really good start to it. Everybody was excited. Venables is recruiting better than Lincoln Riley, blah, blah, blah. You know, they lost a kid to Texas last week. They could lose a couple more. Um, they're starting to slide a little bit. And Arkansas is intriguing to me because they've got a top 15 recruiting class right now. And everybody, everybody loved Sam Pittman last year. And now everybody hates Sam Pittman. Like all the Arkansas fans think he's – this is horrible. He's, he's we're playing down to opponents. We stink, blah, blah, blah. Should have won that game against, you know, LSU it's coaching, sure. coaching. They're kind of falling a little bit in momentum when it comes to recruiting as well. Which, which programs do you think stand to benefit the most from this? Like who, who's ready to pounce that you think can, can start to maybe build their class up quickly? LSU is a hmm. dangerous, dangerous. I mean, they can recruit well, even when they suck. Because yeah. that advantage, but you know that the, they're really doing a good job in the state of Texas. Brian Kelly's using his ties to the Midwest and the East Coast. Um, they're really dangerous. Um, you know, we expect Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, I think Florida too. You know, I mean, Rosado was a big flip for them. Losing McLean hurt, but they're in it for a lot of top kids down the stretch. Now we've heard this under McElwain. You know, we heard this under Muschamp to an extent. And we certainly heard this under Dan Mullen. They always end up whiffing down the stretch. But I think the way the momentum's going for Florida right now, they have a chance to really take advantage of this season when it looked like this season was going to be sort of like a, a wash. Is McLean solid to Miami? Yeah. So that's a situation where, you know, the kid grew up a Florida fan. Lakeland kids always go to Florida, but he's a Lakeland transplant. He's from Lake Gibson. And there were more reasons than just money. Uh, money is a factor, of course. 
but there were other reasons. You know, he has a relationship with a couple of guys on staff at Miami that's really, really strong. There's not a concern right now that he's going to flip. Um, and that's good, you know. And and Billy Napier really needed this Rashad of news because there were a lot of Florida fans that were really upset because McLean was supposed to be their guy. You know, they're in it for Desmond Ricks um, and, and some other big-time kids. He's a, he's a D-back that cl- reclassified from 2024 to 2023, five-star kid. Um, if they can close on some guys down here, all will be well at Florida. And you remember the first six weeks, or not six weeks, the first six months of his uh, tenure at Florida, he had to come out with a statement yeah. to the fans as to why things weren't going well in recruiting. Um, it's a tough job. And you live day to day and week to week. So right now, all the Florida fans are happy with him because Rashada flipped, uh, but they could hate him again next week. But they're in a good spot right now, recruiting wise. I think to finish, you know, maybe ahead of Miami now. Get your crystal ball out for a second. Um, which compliance office is going to be besieged with kids getting into the transfer portal? Which well, school a- are you most concerned? A and M first. That's for sure. I think you're going to see some kids sort of pushed out the door at Miami. Um, you know, maybe not a concern, but maybe, you know, arm in arm with a coach saying, hey, you see this over here? This is the portal. Check it out. You know, and then when they're looking at it, push them in it. Um, so I would expect a lot of activity. I think there's going to be a lot of activity everywhere. Uh, obviously, we've seen increased activity. Um, but a and is the one, I think, where things are going to get really, really ugly with that recruiting class last year. And it's going to be messy because a lot of them have NIL deals, you know. Yeah. How out? But we've seen guys, big-name guys with NIL deals, like Quinn Ewers at Ohio State ends up landing in Texas, gets bigger NIL deals. Uh, some of the A&M kids can do that as well. Um, it's just going to be dependent upon which teams can take them, who's got spots. You know, juggling that 85-man roster is going to be extremely important for a lot of these teams. I also think that we're going to start to see some dirt come out on Jimbo. Um, Mm -hmm. I think his own people are going to turn on him and try to make him the scapegoat. I think they're going to try to get out of this $86 million for cause. I think we're heading to some really, really scandalous, ugly stuff, Um, you know, at Texas A&M. And, you know, buckle up because it's going to be kind of – and they, no, I'm not rooting against Texas A&M or their fans or their players, but I don't know Jimbo. He just doesn't appear to be a likable human being. So it'll be a little bit fun in that regard. It's almost like when there's investigations around Urban Meyer. You, you respect them, but you don't like them. And I think we're headed towards some dirt on Jimbo. Can't wait to see how that unfolds. Mike, what's got you pissed off? I know usually each week there's something that's just got you all kinds of grouchy. I got a lot. Yeah, boy. All right, we got time. It's your show. So I named the site MikeFarrellSports.com because I couldn't think of a f- like a flashy name, you know, like On3 or 24-7 or Rivals. You know, I mean, Shannon, who has owned all of those at one point in time, really good at names. I'm not. I suck. You know, whatever. The Edge. Uh, that guy's a guitar player for you, too. Um, it, you know, three-point stance that's a column name it's not a name of a website you know yeah. uh run blitz full out blitz, whatever i thought about this stuff and i'm like oh. yeah they're horrible i mean i can't come up with any you, you could probably come up with 10 times muffed, muffed punt muffed punt you know i mean that sounds yeah sounds bad um 
So I came up with MikeFarrellSports.com on a win, whatever. So I have writers that write great articles. One of them, Kyle Golick, wrote a great article about Oklahoma, and all the Oklahoma fans loved it and ate it up because it blamed Lincoln Riley for every one of their problems. So, of course, they're going to eat it up and love it. And all these kudos. Great article, man. I thought you hated Oklahoma all your life. And, I, you know, you can't explain. You can explain to the first person. I didn't write it. That's Kyle Golick's byline because it says by Kyle Golick. Hmm. But you can't explain that to 100 people. And then he wrote an article on Friday that says Penn State is closer to Maryland than they are to Ohio State. And then, of course, you know, Penn State throttled Maryland 30 to nothing. And everybody's calling me an idiot for writing it. And I tried to point out to them, too, that I didn't write it. One moron. Well, it's your website. It's your name. So you must approve everything that's written. You must agree with everything that's written. And I'm like, no, no, no. I give the writers freedom to write what they want and what they feel. I'm not going to say to them, well, I don't like that article. Let's not run it. You know, well, they're like, okay, well, it's, your name's on it, the website, so it's got to be you. Well, ESPN has a ton of writers. Do you go to, like, Jimmy Shapiro, the head of Disney, and, and complain about an article that was written on ESPN by somebody? That, that's slamming Texas A&M or something. No, be, don't be an idiot. See the byline and then go after that person. Don't go after me. Um, there was something else that bothered me too. That's a minor one. Most of these are little minor, little, you know, garbagey things. Um, I also what, don't think Jimmy Shapiro is the head of Disney. <laughs> I think you've hit that up. Jimmy Pataro? Jimmy Pataro. Who's Jimmy Shapiro? Okay. I have no idea who Jimmy Shapiro is. Oh, Jimmy Shapiro is the guy who sends me the, these... Um, these betting lines, speaking of, <laughs> thank God that came up because I got to do a read real quick. Yeah. Basketball is back and bet on number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at bet online. Oh, you got it ready. Good for you. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, Texas, tennis, Texas, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline AG, as it says right there, your graphic, to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, on your screen right there to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. That's one of our sponsors. The other one is ButcherBox, and that already came up. As I do the Believe Audio, the ButcherBox ad is already in there. But oh, it's yeah, yeah. a meat subscription. Uh, how could you not like that? I mean, you could get steak yeah. on subscription, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... There was one other thing I was pissed about, but I forget. Like, I've already said I was wrong about Mike Norvell. So now every time he wins a football game for the rest of his life at Florida State, I'm going to get hammered. Yeah. He got six. I said he wouldn't get six. You hammered me then. Now he's got seven. You have to hammer me again? I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, old takes exposed already did it. They already put it out there, and we still got idiots coming out. Um, I think that's it. I, I. there's something in the NFL that pisses me off too, and I can't remember what it is. <sighs> the hell was it? It wasn't the check. Ch- wasn't pissed did you watch, did you watch that Bills Vikings game? Yeah, I did. I did. Great I, game. Unbelievable. I mean, I thought it was over just like the Bills Twitter feed did, and they put out that tweet and then deleted that tweet, and you know, it looked like it was over. I mean, Kirk Cousins with a and and that call. I mean, 
<laughs> Fourth and goal. Game on the line. And you do a quarterback sneak with Kirk Cousins, who doesn't look very effective as a quarterback sneak quarterback. Um, you have Dalvin Cook back there making billions of dollars. Heard of him. Yep. You have uh, the, 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 the up back, Ham, who scored on a touchdown earlier on, on uh, an inside handoff. You could do so many different things there. Um, you could run a pick play for Justin Jefferson if you wanted to. So many different things. So that was a bad call. It's like, okay, Vikings, you deserve to lose. And then he fumbles the ball. But then they go down, what, 69 yards in like three plays, uh, kick a field goal. I'm like, okay, Vikings, you're done now. And then they come out and win. So do we believe in the Vikings? I don't think so because Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback. But yeah, he, he just threw a couple of those up there, and he's lucky he has a guy by the name of Justin Jefferson who comes down with some ridiculous catches, right? It just basically seemed like he wasn't even looking, chucked a ball in that general direction. That catch he made – you know, and, and listen, the first point made, that's fourth and 18 with the game on the line. That defensive back trying to catch that football um, should be fined internally. Bat that ball down. Knock it down. Yeah, knock it down. Bat the idiot. I mean, you're told that since age 10, if you're any sort of defensive back, that in that situation you bat it down. But that catch was amazing. It was amazing. He was full on falling on his back, and he grabs the ball with one hand away from the defender. But that wasn't a great Kirk Cousins throw, and his, his second interception was absolutely ridiculous. Just threw it right to the wrong guy. I don't know if he's colorblind. Remember when it came out, Vinny Testaverde was colorblind? Mm, yeah. After all those years of interceptions, it's like, oh, maybe this is a problem. They're not wearing purple? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not, that's actually my only favorite one until it came out that Jameis uh, had LASIK. That one was funny, too. The, yeah. And the memes for Jameis, because there weren't memes around with Vinny Testaverde, right? But the memes were hilarious you know all the glasses memes and stuff like that but I, i'm not buying in on the vikings yet um i don't care if jeff saturday got the coaching job i i do care that you know the raiders hired josh mcdaniel and that team is a joke i i'm not a big fan of Derek carr crying at the at the podium i'm not a fan of clark lee crying when he beats kentucky uh there's no crying in football unless there's some you know Obviously, like the tragedy at UVA, you can cry. Yeah. It's awful. But not when you beat a team or when your team sucks. Um, I love the passion. I love the, the 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 emotion. But, you know, Josh McDaniels really ruined that football team. And then Jeff Saturday might have saved the Colts season. So I, I guess I'm not pissed about anything in the NFL. Well, you heard here first, a happy Mike Farrell means uh, there's only one thing to do. That's end the show because so, it can only go downhill from here. I'm so happy. So bet online, AG, believe code, get on there. Let's do it. Yeah, you did it uh, once already. Yeah. Put your box. Listen, you want to be fat like me? You got to eat. It just doesn't come naturally. You got to eat food. You got to eat meat. You got to order your meat on subscription so that it comes by the pound every month. And then you'll be fat like me. So I got to imagine when they sent you that ad read and said, feel free to ad lib. That's exactly what they were hoping that you would say is to... To, to be fat like Mike. Yeah, I don't think Butcher Box really wanted me to talk about like carotid arteries or obesity, but no. embrace it, man. I saw something today. There was a show on Fox, and I don't even know who these guys are. One of them is Zolak. It's a it's a New England show. Zolak, the former quarterback for the Yeah, Scott Zolak, yeah. He was at uh what Maryland? Was he Maryland? No, it was Georgia. Georgia, hundred years ago. There was the biggest fattest dude I've ever seen. 
and I took a picture of it, and I'll probably tweet it out. Biggest, fattest dude I've ever seen in front of a microphone, just like you. Behind him was an advertised for weight loss 180. Mm-hmm. And this is improper ad placement. So I think I'm doing okay if companies that are real, like, you know, I don't know if this was Fox Sports or Nesson, uh, real companies are putting fat guys in front of weight loss ads. I'm just talking about Butcher Box and how fun it is to get fat. Anyway, make sure you're subscribing to the Mike Farrell Sports Experience uh, podcast form on the Believe Podcast Network, available wherever you get your quality audio downloads. YouTube channel, Mike Farrell Sports there as well. Subscribe to the channel. Anytime Mike pops a video up there, you'll be the first to know about it. And again, bookmark MikeFarrellSports.com to his very cleverly named website. I'm going to give you this. Traffic in the last 90 days at MikeFarrellSports.com is up 52%. Sessions are up 50%. In the last 28 days, we're up 22.2, 22.3. That means the grind is continuing. Uh, and in the last seven days, we're up 74% and 67% in users. But ask yourself this. How much would you be up if it was called MuffedPunt.com? MuffedPunt.com. I bet you there's a cool name. I don't know how he comes up with these names because I thought when like he came out with 24-7, I thought that was a dumb name. And then it just stuck, and now it's the you know the the source for all your recruiting needs. And then it came out with on three, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, break the huddle on three, but that's stupid too, and that's stuck. So he does a really good job. I probably should ask him, but he doesn't talk to me anymore. He used me, threw me away, like they all do, and uh, he won't give me a free name, I'm sure. But eventually, yeah. may not. on on two, Mike, one up him. <laughs> Well, this is the funny thing. I used to write the three-point stance, and I wrote that for like 12 years. And Mm -hmm. two years later, uh, Barton Simmons, who's at Vanderbilt, and the 24-7 folks came up with the cover three article, which was three points of just like the three-point stance. And they had the, the, the sad part is they had the support and smarts there to actually grow that into an extremely popular column. And then they changed into a podcast and now it's absolutely kicking ass uh and that's just what happens when you have smart people and good management because you could take you can copy an idea you steal an idea blatantly and make it 10 times more popular than the somebody who's at a company that doesn't care all right. Well, anyway, MikeFarrellSports.com uh, is where you can bookmark Mike's uh, currently named website. Again, follow everything that Mike's doing on social media and Farrell Sports. That's on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. We are going to uh, wrap this one. But again, if you subscribe, next time we do one of these, you'll be the first one. Actually, you'll be the third one to know about it because uh, usually Mike's first. Uh, I'm sometimes second and you'll be third. So that'll be the pecking order. Uh, that's on three. Ready? Break. And watch for uh, Mike versus the world. We, we took a week off. We're going to be week, depending on your schedule tomorrow. But we're going to come up with some really, really good topics to argue about. I can't wait. That's it. Bye. Goodbye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.